Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. And today we're joined by Lynette Louise, who specializes in neurofeedback. A trigger warning, the R word is used in this episode. The conversation that you're going to hear is really uh, transformative. And I think it was a, a beautiful hour that we spent with Lynette because this was um, someone that we we didn't know. And in reading about her, I found a version of the R word as a description of different definitions of autism. We have given great consideration to releasing this episode. It wasn't a conversation we anticipated having. And once we found ourselves in it, we knew that the easiest way out would have been just to end it. And to be truthful... In our everyday life, we may just have done that, walked away. But we know this is part of the journey, at least right now it is. We have strong feelings about the R word, mostly that it's old and tied to all the injustices of the time that it was born. When I hear the word, I think of the dehumanization and the injustices it carries on its shoulders. I think of the institutions and children denied life-saving surgeries because their life was not viewed as worthy. I think of the fight that I've had to fight for my child's education based on the weight that the word carried with school administration and the segregation it assisted in cultivating within a school population. I remember the psychologist that spoke it at one of Liam's first IEPs when it still had its place on the pages of the district's handbook. I think how that word planted seeds in a generation of people. I think of the grandma who approached me at the park when Liam was just an infant. She had that word on her tongue and told me that most people don't want those babies. For listeners who are as sensitive to this word as we are, We apologize for the nature of the fight or if this episode is upsetting to you in any way. But we ask that you see it through to the other side because in our hearts, that's where the value lies. It lies in the place where our humanity shines through. And in that, there is a connection among people with opposing views. A remembering that we are all connected no matter how broken that connection can seem. There's even some healing and laughter and a hope for progress and change. So, our interview with Lynette Louise. Hello, Lynette. Thank you for joining us here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor to have someone share their audience. We got uh, connected to you through somebody that just reached out to us that knew you. So I used that information and looked you up. And what a very interesting concept and work you're doing. And I just, we were just kind of curious we just had about some, it. Yeah, yeah, we were curious about it. You call yourself the brain broad. Yeah. 
Well, at least it's got a little bit of oomph to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Initially, people were calling me the brain lady. They were trying to figure out what to call me. I wasn't a doctor yet. I was already working in brain rehab and doing it slightly differently and having better effect than most people, um, which I'm sure we all say, but you know, I took footage so I could prove it <laughs> anyway. So, um, and as I built that into more of a, you know, let's make a website, let's get, you know, we started asking each other, what should it be called? And if you look at my history and if you read about me, what you know is I've got a broad amount of experience. I've done all kinds of things and I adopted many multiply handicapped children, raised eight children, uh, fought with the educational system and the doctors, even in college, I'm like, what are you talking about? That doesn't work. So <laughs> I've been abroad often in my life and I go abroad with my work. Um, so it really was a fit and we tossed it around and it really stuck. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I think I just did, but if you'd like it more linear, <laughs> Yeah, tell it because you, you talked about that you, I did see on your website that you've worked in many different areas, like you talk about working in abuse, you speak about autism, you speak about the different facilities of the brain, you talk about your different um, therapies that you bring into the household. So I'm just curious, like, where did all of this start and in your interest in the brain and more specifically working with children with autism? Well, that happened more than an, an interest it sort of happened if i was to blame anyone i'd have to blame elvis presley and the movie change of habit where where the nun mary tyler moore and the doctor elvis presley uh decide to cure this hopelessly autistic child because she was abandoned and so they hug her until she turns normal that doesn't work i tried it it's not a good idea <laughs> but um Autism itself wasn't really the goal. I started out as a child of abuse. Uh, my mom was a teacher, respected in her town, but super, super, super physical and verbally abusive um, when I was a child. And I remember many times, sometimes I tell this long, sometimes short. I'll, I'm going to choose short today. Um, I was just hiding in the bathroom while she's trying to break down the door and I got my knees locked while I've got my feet against the door and my back against the wall and I'm thinking okay remember how this feels remember how this feels and make sure when you grow up you save children how many children am I going to have I'm going to have six no eight no 12 no <laughs> um, and that sort of evolved but the the mission and the decision to be making a difference in the lives of children was really born then I, you know, once you have that direction in life, then things show up and they flavor it. And I'm a kid and I see Mary Tyler Moore. So I think maybe I'll be a nanny and I see the singing nun. And I think maybe I'll be a nun who sings because I also want to be an actress while I save the world. So, you know, like any child, I had kind of a eclectic vision of how it should go, but it turned out I did most of it. So, um, except for the nun part. Uh, I did, I did do, you know, performing while I was helping the kids and stuff. So it was, it was really born in my childhood. And I also had my own brain challenge, which was probably part of genetically passed on because my mom was clearly not all there. So um, I had pixelated vision and uh, different sensory things that were later 
historically diagnosed as possibly Asperger's, but I didn't know that going in. I didn't think I'll get autistic ch children. And even when I got children that I adopted that were multiply challenged and had autism, autism wasn't the only thing. They had fetal alcohol syndrome. They were considered low IQ in the retarded range, uh, Tourette's different things, you know, so autism was just sort of the common ground amongst us all. So I want to go back and revisit the, the movie and the locking. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this. There's two people here and one's going, no, no, you putting your hand on. No, 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 you don't get to ask the question. I'm asking the question. That was something okay, else. Go. No, I, I do want, want to, to I am going to right now. I, I want to revisit <laughs> the influence of of the film and their beliefs. And also I want to go back. I want to really know why you had to, you, you kept telling yourself to remember this feeling, but I just want to stop right there because one thing I was going to not talk about this for a while. You just use the word retarded and on your website, you have retardation. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a big part of your explanation. And um, it's really a, a word that's uh, being taken out of society because of its detriment. I mean, I know that it's a clinical word that I know where it was born. I know what it means. Mm -hmm. I know it's medical, mm -hmm. but it's really, I think that was, I'm so interested in all the stuff you do, but I was so stopped in my tracks by the liberal use of the word retardation. And, uh, and I wanted to, to talk about that because that is a word and um, and you just use it right here about it's not a word we use. It's a word that's very damning. Um, I should never use it on the podcast. I've actually said no. that before. No. And actually, I think this is something that we'll keep in because I know that f our families, um, it's a it's a it's a challenge. And I know like my daughter, whenever she hears it at school, she's like, she has to fight because she has to decide if she's going to say something about it. And I know that the families in our community it's something that really hurts because um, it's fueled with so uh, many limits and archaic beliefs. And it actually is at the heart of a lot of the limitations and un, uh, injustice that our children have to fight to overcome. So that being said, I'm going to ask you why you use that word still. Well, you've clearly shared your opinion. So now I'll share mine. Um, first of all, I try to stick to the accuracy of the history. I, otherwise, you get lost in rewriting history, and we have this battle all the time everywhere. So when my children were diagnosed, they were diagnosed. I actually softened it the way I said it. They were diagnosed as, edu one, as educatively retarded, and another as uneducatively retarded. So, Lynette, I'm going to stop you right there because um, I am very interested to hear uh, about changing your brain in that. But the, you know, when you talk about, um, I use it because it's historically accurate. Historically, our children were taken away and put into institutions. True. You know, True. so, and, and to rewrite that history is to say, hey, we know more now. These lives have a value. And so I don't think it's rewriting history. I think it's when you know better, you do better. There's a lot of words that are no longer in our vocabulary because right. they do come from they ignorance and they're hurtful. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I certainly thought it all through. And I certainly have a lot more to say if you'll let me say it. If you'll let me. <laughs> but I'll try. 
I'll try. I'm going to try too. Okay. So bite your tongue for a second. I'll let me say it. I, but I just have to let you know that just because, um, I do respect you as a human, but that doesn't, uh, you don't know me yet. You don't have to respect me just on face value. No, no, I respect all humans. And I think we do respect each other. And I don't know, that's just, that's just who we are. Um, so I'm not going to bite my tongue. Um, cause I don't think that really helps anyone, but okay. I, I'm curious as to, you have raised children with autism, why it is that you continue to use this word that's very damning and hurtful. I don't think the word is damning and hurtful for starters. So we're coming from a different belief system. Yeah. I, maybe it doesn't hurt you. Well, remember I do have these kids and I was different too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that the people who use the word in a way that is damning and hurtful are damning and hurtful. I do think that I had to um, find a way to help my children be comfortable with the things coming their way. And I do think that using the term that was used on their diagnostic papers so that when somebody goes, are you sure? Did they really have all that? How is it possible that they are now not anymore? I can pull up the papers and say, here they are. But if I start changing the words, that's probably not useful. I do think that having my son one day, in fact, I wrote an article about this called Reality Retarded, because we were sitting at McDonald's and he was considered possibly educatively retarded, fetal alcohol syndrome often lowers the IQ, not a surprise. He was classically autistic. He had Tourette's syndrome. So if you'll just do me a favor, if... um if you're going to continue to use the word, if you can just say the R word, because it is something that I don't feel like. Well, I'll stop using it. If you stop making me keep explaining it, (laughs) it's almost over. (laughs) It's really you that's stuck here, not me. And I don't even have to do this. It's fine. You're right. But I'm going to give you my honest truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway, so he's sitting there and I'm explaining something, you know, again, social for him because social things were such a challenge. And I think if I remember correctly, it had to do with the person that had waited on us being a little bit abrupt with him and, and impatient with his stutter and um, me talking about, well, you never know what was going on for them. Maybe they have their own issues with, you know, hearing or comprehending or all these things. Anyway, we're sitting in the, in the McDonald's parking lot and... Uh, and just chatting about it. And it was just the most beautiful moment to me. And here it comes the last time. He just turned to me and said, If you'll say our word, I'll appreciate it. Well, you, <laughs> and he said, You know, mom, I think I used to be reality retarded. And I thought it was a great culmination of teachings in his life that he was able to go. Here I was, someone who couldn't understand things. Here I am now, someone who's understanding social things. Here I am able to use a word that used to be thrown at me, but we got comfortable in our home with so that everyone would be comfortable. And I feel like it's a past tense. So for me, this was a celebration moment. And if I were to get stuck, like you're stuck right now on this one concept, this word that's in the way of all these great conceptual sharings that I'm giving you, and even your face is all frustrated. It's like, 
that's my problem with that kind of progress. I do believe we need to care about this stuff. I think we need to care about it in our soul. But at the same time, the truth still exists. My son still existed through the bullies, through the life story. And I still had to, my sons, uh, get them to a place of absolute comfort. And I still had to be able to look at this word and de-paint it. I can't think of it, you know, take, the, take this uh, explosive target out of it and make it a thing that some people use this word this way, some people use this word that way, Musici musicians mean play slower. It's just a word. Now, to, to give it a little more background, I raised my kids while doing stand-up comedy. So, so, Lynette, I just want to go back to it's just a word because... See, you you're stuck, not me. <laughs> I'm not the one. It's you. I'll do it all day if you want, but it's you. I, I understand. Uh, I think, no, I think the, uh, yeah. uh, if you can see of anything, if you're, if you're fine with the word, you can at least agree that a very negative part of the word is it blunts conversation. Well, that it does what's happening right now, yeah. And it blunts uh, communication. The, but at the, least your and, communication of the good stuff you want to say will not be heard to yeah, a lot of people. And I think there's like an insensitivity if you know that it's an, um, if I mean, that Lori it's a even word. Said, I've asked you. Please don't say it again. You go, uh-uh, and you say it again. It's It shows insensitivity. It does. And, it but, shows but, but I'm I doing want, whatever I want to do. But I just I just want to say that because you, you, you talk about... <laughs> I'm the, not the one making the conversation continue. Right. I just want to say that... You guys that, are so funny. I, I'm, I'm not insensitive to it. I've, I you think you are. You can see me are. on a documentary crying about it. No, I'm not insensitive. I just think wow. that you have to be aware. In fact, I love what's happening right now. I think we're having a chance to have this conversation because I used it. Yeah, because I think it's a really important conversation. And, yeah, so you I. know, you talk about the word and it's there and it has power and you want to, and I get that because when our child, we don't use certain words in the house at all that demean or, you know, we don't use fat, we don't use stupid, we don't use any of those words. And when our daughter went to school and at some point in the fifth grade, someone called her stupid and it hit really hard because that word had more weight to it. And that's not, and, and that, but that's not, really what we're talking about here. It's not, it's about taking a word that literally, it's actually being taken out of medical books because it's, it's an inappropriate word to be used. And the word, the way that it's usually used, uh, because it's no longer a medical term that's used. I mean, you can find like really old doctors that still use it or narrow-minded doctors that still use it. So because now even the medical community who, usually are the last ones to kind of change things that work. Um, they're eliminating it. The school system, they've taken it out of the vocabulary. So and a, you and a, do. And a way majority has agreed that that word the, is every, offensive. I mean, there's like whole big campaigns about that's an offensive word that really limits humans, like the N word, like like the G, like so many words that are just like throwing out. And, and I get like, oh, okay, well, you, how my kids have this so I can use it and it's still being out there and you, but you have to like, do you realize that by keeping that word in circulation, you propagate the use and it opens the door still for people who should not, that are not affected to use it. Belief. I know it's your belief. It's not mine. I know that I can tell totally. I believe very much that I'm doing the opposite. 
I believe very much. And if you'd let me say it, and maybe someone will hear it, maybe even you. Here's the question is because this is the only reason I had this conversation, because after reading that, I was like, I don't think I want to do this. But what I read on your website was you talk about, um, and I'll get the exact verbiage that you use, you say labels are an invention of medical science, and as such, not an impenetrable statement of fact. Sure. So wait, so you said that. And, and I so I was it. like, oh, well, you know what, maybe somebody else builds her website, and she doesn't realize that her definition of autism is retardation. Uh, my husband watched a video and you talk about Down syndrome being a brain disorder, which is not. It's a natural occurring um, chromosomal arrangement. And so it's, and I just, there's part of me that can say, I don't want to talk to this person. And there's part of me that can say, hey, look, you see things differently than I do. Your verbiage is putting out that false information about Down syndrome and also using a word that is very limiting as far as, uh, I mean, it's it's just a word that isn't used. There's so many campaigns, and I and there's a part of me that says you're a human, and um, you know you have whatever your life is, and it seems like you have a good, you know, like that you that you want to change things, uh, and and that's why I'm curious because just I'm going to tell you one more time, it's really damning and hurtful, and you it's not to you, but I'm telling okay. you that it's damning and hurtful. You know what? There's many, many people in the world. I'm not really sure what you want from this interview. Um, Certainly not my information. Uh, That's unfortunate. I have a lot. No, we did. We did. That's the, and, and, but I'm just, I'm just curious because you have this stuff, but then, then there's this, this thing that really rubs you apparently. (laughs) You know what what rubbed me the most because I hear, I hear the R word and I, and I'll, and I'll say, Oh, you know, that, uh, that bothers me. Even if it's just, I'm the only person in the world. Just the fact that the person I I asked that of says, well, I'm going to say it again and again and and get ready. And that, that's, that's the hurtful part. So That isn't actually how, how, that isn't actually how this interview went. When you replay it, you'll hear, you're just fighting me and that's okay. If you want to love to share, um, you're right. Down syndrome is a chromosome situation, but it results in a disordered brain. It results in dysfunction. It results in challenges. If it didn't, it wouldn't even be a thing that we try to work with and help people with. But honestly, there's a lot of things with Down syndrome that are things that are based in inaccuracies and misperceptions. With everything, there's not a single brain challenge. There's not even, there's nothing that doesn't have all this controversy around it. And And I guess what I'm excited about is here you are, one of those people who put the information out that I'm like, how does that information even get out there? Because it's not my experience. And I get a chance to talk to you. And I'm not afraid to talk to you. Okay. I'm like, where does that information come from? Like where, uh, and I'm, you know, using the R word in, in the description of autism and not caring that, because there's other terms. I'm, because, because I've never it, it, but done because that, it, by the way. It's on your website, the retardation under each, like what, um, uh, under your, uh, what is autism page? It's under each explanation as for what autism is. I think you're mixing together some of my stuff, but that's No, no, I can put, it's it's on your website unless you take it down, which would be great. (laughs) But I'm not going to take it down. So, you know, but, but no, I'm not, I don't want, I'm just curious because 
as a as a mother of a child with Down syndrome, most... I don't believe you're curious. I think you're just mad. Do I look mad? I think you're just offended, and I'm not sure what you want from me. I like, I I you know what? There's so many people in the world, and there's this nugget full of people that are really helped by the way I do it, and I only need to help them, and the people that are offended and, and perceived differently, they'll find someone else. I can't help everybody, but I am motivated to help. And that is why, and I may come at it differently than you, and I may look at it differently than you, and my explanations may rub against you, but then you're not my client. You already went off of my website and somebody else went, oh my gosh, I am, I'm coping with that. And they found me. And that's the way it should be. What do you mean we went off of your oh, website? That we, that we read it and then didn't. Right. Somebody who's searching for someone, right? And they see it and they go, oh, I can't, I, I can't believe she's that word. And, the, and they don't want to deal with me. They've moved along. So the people that want someone who speaks like I speak, who talks like I talk, who's worked you know, personally with their own children and then works with families and does it in this different way, they find me and they find me because I'm honestly representing myself. And if I change to be PC the way you want, then I won't be honestly representing myself and they won't find me and I won't be able to help them. And I'll probably be a watered down version for the ones who do because it won't represent what I bring to the table. So I'm sorry that you're so offended, but this, then you should have moved on and not had me as a guest or, or else we can keep fighting. It's fine. I don't care either way. I don't feel like I'm fighting with you. I'm, I feel like you're saying that the one word that's on your website, that that's the one thing that that is hurtful to our community that might be what makes people go, oh, gosh, and turn away. But why, since there's so many other words to choose from that you would... I don't actually think it's hurtful to your community. Oh, it so is. I we have a different you. belief system right here, right? We're operating from a different place and you would not have hired me. Can I ask you, I want to know why... With all the information that's out there, with the word being eliminated and all the campaigns from our community, but also from the world, why would you think that it's not hurtful when that's the message that is clearly being sent? I truly think that it matters very, very, very much what I said in the beginning, that we include, I'm 65. I'm like, this doesn't matter to me. I'm retired. I'm just sharing. I think it matters very much that we include truths along the way in the shape that they were in. For example, at that time, they thought that autism was caused by refrigerator mothers. Well, that turned out to be ridiculous, but I would always talk about it in the, if I was telling the story of adopting my children and finding out they were locked in closets and things like that and feeling like, oh, as soon as I warm them up with some love and give them holding therapy like Elvis Presley did in the movie, they'll pop out of this strange brain condition and be normalized. If I were to talk in present tense only, it eliminates the entire story. It undoes the progress. It makes it impossible to tell the truth. I'm sorry, I just, I think it's part of it. I also think very much that it's important not to get stuck in the way that you're all all stuck right now. Like, I think words should be exactly what they are because you can really hurt someone with the word pretty. You can really hurt them with the word rich. 
you can really hurt somebody with the word you and your big hair. It's how you treat people that I want to talk about. And I think it's a great opportunity to be an expert in the world and be able to say, I'm going to show you love and kindness. I'm going to be easygoing and happy no matter what you, what you throw my way. And I'm not going to let words be the problem. So that's who I am and what I bring to the table. And if that's not good for you, oh, I'm sorry. Well, if I thought uh, calling you pretty or that you had big hair hurts you, I wouldn't, I do, wouldn't it. do it. Uh, and also I want to say, because I you didn't say, call you the R word. Well, listen, I want to no, say. No, you didn't call me the right? R word, no. I want to say that, because you say that um, to be stuck, right? But when you do you realize holding on to the past is stuck? I don't hold on to the past. I'm talking about this. But you said about holding on, holding on to the past of like using this word is in the past. And again, I never said holding. I said representing. Okay. Or using this word, not letting go and not having the change because you think the past is so important. I do, I do not use the word in present tense when I'm talking about people in present tense. But your website is present tense. And does, but I don't think it undoes the, I, I think it undoes the damage not the progress for you to move on so to not use a, a word from the past whatever it is to not use that because we've learned that it's hurtful or bad or even inaccurate and wrong that doesn't mean that the the fact of all of that information isn't there anymore but what it does is it allows you to then focus on the present moment and not hold on to the past and so I don't think it it undoes the damage of that word by okay, evolving. So if I were if I were taking the stage, if I were taking the stage and I was going to do a talk, I doubt I'd use the word. And it isn't because I'm afraid of the word. It's because it would do this. It would bring all this forward. Mm-hmm. This began with me explaining my children. And at the time, that's how they were diagnosed. And I don't shy from that story. I'm not going to shy from anything in their story. Yeah. I'm not going to rewrite their story. And then it turned into this discussion for a reason that has to do with how it affects you. Now, that's how I honor the change in the world. Now, I might, while on stage, if I talk about my children, I would then use the word and say, and at that time, that, that was the official diagnosis. And again, I'm not going to shy away from it. And I'm proud of much of what they've learned to deal with. You know, we are, we're also multiracial. So, you know, we've had to deal with all the things that come with, you know, moving from, for example, I wrote a book that I haven't published yet called My Brother Was an Indian. Well, that's considered negative now. But that's what he was when we adopted him. That's what we thought. And so the progress and the change and the way we were affected is is integral and tied into that. Do I call people that now, today? No, but when we adopted him, yes, my, you know, my goodness, that was it. And so, and along with that came all of these behaviors on our part, thoughts on our, like my mom thinking if she dressed him up in a four trail suit, he'd turn white. Like, there were all these racially crazy things that came as a result of us perceiving it in a certain way. It was never the word though. It was always what we thought that stuff meant. So 
yeah, in our in our family now that we have you know blacks and and Arabs and whites and Asians and we we play with all this stuff in the house so that it is desensitized and everybody's comfortable with all of these things and they are. Do they use them on people? Never. Against people? Never. Lynette, so the way you came at me judging that, oh, you're angry, you're stuck and all of that, I just want to let you know that I think most people would walk away, but that's not who I am. Uh, because it's very defensive. And I would have stopped and I wouldn't have gotten to this part of your conversation, which maybe is more truth than than that. This is my word. This is what I'm using. You are stuck. You're the reason. You're not my community. I actually never talked to you like that, honey. Okay. Well, that's how it sounded on my end. And as we all know, it's just perception is, you know, the reflection of right. who you are. So that's how it was. It came across. And those were some of the words I, I felt like that's what I heard. And I'm so glad that you don't think that's what you said. But what you just said about, you know, if you were on stage, you would tell it as this is part of his story. And this is what it was called. Absolutely. Because I think the value of that, that's what we talk about. When my son was first born, I there was a woman in the craft store and she was like, and she used the word because that's what she was told. And, and I think that that is important as we progress and grow and have a voice and make change. I think that is so important because we remember that, hey, our kids were put in institutions. Our kids still are fighting for an education, but even more so. They didn't even have a right to fight for their education. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a place in the classroom. They, you know, and you talk about that the words uh, that you said that you thought that they, they created behaviors as a result and of perceiving it a certain way. And that is what I'm trying to say is that what you experienced, which is no longer because we've grown, because we've become diverse, because, you know, people care, because there's change, because people have voices. So all of that stuff that you had to go through, the R word, the N word, the I word, the every word that you had to get through to do the good that you're doing, giving, you know, kids a home and love, which is really the only thing that matters in this journey is love. And when things are done out of love. So you had to go through all of that. And those words, you know, they're no longer, uh, they're no longer used in society for a reason. And if they are, I just watched a video of some, <laughs> of a couple uh, getting into an Uber using the word and, you know, they're, oh, the N word, yeah. you know, and it's just not acceptable anymore. And I think that was, my question to you, because I do feel like you have a good heart and you do this good work, but the word is all over the place. And even in your video about Down syndrome, and sometimes we do it because we don't know, or we don't realize or whatever it is. And I think that's why I was so open to having this conversation because I know I can't change anybody's mind and anybody who believes certain things and certain things are, or, or acceptable there. I don't even have that conversation. I'll just walk away or I'll say, I don't use that word. And I walk away because I'm not changing anybody's mind. What I do is I change my community and I advocate for my community and I'll at least verbalize that you know, I don't use that word and that word is hurtful. And then whatever, whatever I, it's not, I just walk away. But I looked at your website and it appears that 
you care about, you know, especially in the past, just, I mean, being 65, I know that you probably experienced a a whole different uh, realm of what was acceptable. And you have that to make. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I had to change as I went to. And you make that change. And so that's why it wasn't for any other reason, but I saw that you did good. And then I saw that this word was there and I wasn't going to say until we got further on when the subject came up about labels, I wasn't going to say anything, but then you use it so freely. And I just have to say, and you may never change and the word may remain on your website and you may continue to use it, but it hurts and it hurts the community. And my son has to, it hurts my daughter who's neurotypical and I just had this conversation with her the other day that a kid that used it said, well, I'm allowed to because I have experience with it. And it's like, well, like you said, like you use it in your home, that's okay. But you can't just use it because you hurt other people, you know? And I was telling her, well, like maybe it's okay in his home and you don't know why they use it in their home. So we just have to say, you said your piece and you know, and you know, and you don't know it's, it's the reason why it affects you is because we know that it's hurtful and it's not used in your home or in, you know, we, we actively try to eliminate it. So do you, you want me to respond or do you want to let that be the last word on it? Because I'm happy to respond, but it'll just probably start it up again. (laughs) I just wanted to hear why. And I think you, I think you really, um, like the message and the fact that you use it and when you tell it, I think that's right on par with like not forgetting what you've come through. That's it. And, and I think that you, you, you try to make a difference and change the world in a good way. Um, you know, I really believe that I just myself don't want to get caught up not saying things because we're being so careful. I also really want to teach the difference between the intention behind a word and the word. Like when my kids would be, yelled at and called the R word, then it was hurtful. But when they, when somebody very kindly said, well, is he, okay, it's very weird for me to dance around it and say R word, but okay. I appreciate it. I totally appreciate it. Right. But if they, if they do it in this very sweet, well, is he R word? I would say, well, yeah, that's what they, he was diagnosed, but we're literally working on that. And I never saw that as a thing that couldn't be changed. I also was smart enough to look around the world and go, hmm, where is is the IQ a little lower so we can move there and my kids will fit in better? Like I took this and opened it up. And I think opening it up is the way to end up with the end of the story that I have, which is, you know, one of them is a helicopter mechanic is been 20 years in the service and is going to re-up and been overseas a couple times. Another one's been on a second career. This time he's a welder and uh, they have houses and children and wives. And, you know, one's the quirky guy in town because he was more challenged. Um, But they've all managed to do really well, with the exception of the boy I mentioned who was locked in a closet for a couple of years. He'll probably always be my best friend buddy that travels with me everywhere. Um, and all, in all cases, this opening up of the mind and this looking to what will work rather than where, what's this horrible thing? I just avoided fights. I, you know, I would duck and weave if the school wasn't serving them well. I didn't fight the school for very long. I fought. And then I went, okay, this isn't working and it's hurting my kids. They're getting lost in the fight. 
you know, this world of special ed, it's a lot like um, a domestic abuse situation where you got this violence going on between two adults and they're fighting and fighting. Even in the autism world itself, you know, you'll have little things like vaccines, no vaccines or facilitation versus RPM or, and everybody gets fighting so hard for their position and they lose the kids. Years go by in this fight, years. I remember speaking of Down syndrome, there was a young girl who had Down syndrome when my kids were really little and the parents fought and fought and fought to get her embraced into the school system like everyone else. And I read it and it was a story of success. You know, they finally, they were accepting her in and back then you weren't, right? You were shuttled off somewhere. And uh, so it was this great story of the difference they'd made. And I thought, okay, I'm making that difference later when the kids are older, because they just spent five years doing that. Five years of that child's life is a lot of time. It's a lot. Uh, when we just left the school that we left because we were fighting, that was one of the things I said, nobody should have to cry over elementary school. Duh. No parent... <laughs> No parent should feel like you shouldn't feel like you are being uh, mentally abused by an elementary school. You shouldn't feel you, you shouldn't you shouldn't beg for your child's education, but you're meant to. You shouldn't. And those things. And you said that you gave up the fight like you decided to do it later. We just learned that lesson. Like we just got through eight years of of what was a fight. Now, we were very fortunate that we had a lawyer. We had, we didn't go on summer vacations, but we hired a lawyer every year for our IEP. And because of that presence, which is so just, just absolutely gross. Yes. <laughs> that we had to have a lawyer to uh, ensure something that, you know, people fought for, for so long ago for our child's placement in the classroom. We were fortunate that Liam did have a place in the classroom. It didn't stop that we had to educate our child, that we had to can be on top of people doing our jobs. And I don't know about you, but I've never had a job that if I failed so flagrantly that I would continue to keep my job, which was frustrating, right? So we we just got to that place where he has an inclusive environment. And the feeling of not fighting is a gift. Right. Um, you say which on your website, which I completely agree with is that a parent has so much and I'll try to find it exactly. But basically, you say that, as parents, we have the real input in our child's life, which is something that and really maybe the maybe the commitment for life. So we're we're lifers, right? Yeah, but we Could have. Be. I think yeah. we have the love. I think we have the commitment. I think we're the ones who believe in our child. Every so often, we come like we have a great school right now, and they all believe in our son. Um, but before that, every so often, someone would come along, and it was such a gift. But we realized very early on that it was about our place in his life, our advocacy, yeah. our our being a voice before he has his voice. Right. But but you're you're right as far as just. that that journey like every parent has a journey and and they're all different um every parent not yet not just everyone not just every Mm -hmm. person has a journey and they're and and everybody's story is very important you you talk about coming from abuse and and how that uh really made you want to fight for kids Mm -hmm. and make a change I think that's so at that moment at the door with your knees locked, yeah. holding the door closed. Yeah. You know, how do I, how do I stop this from happening to other kids? Yeah. You know, how do I, I think that's I, why we do I'm it. I'm protecting myself at this moment for this instant, but how can I make sure that a kid doesn't have to fight for themselves like that? And, and I'll be, you know, when you talk about abuse, there are certain things that you 
believe about yourself. There's certain things that people tell you, and it takes a long time to stop believing what they said. Oh, for sure. Um, some words might set heavy, and then maybe it's the, I didn't let that word get me down. I'm not going to let words inhibit people I love. Maybe that's a part of a, a journey. Well, I think it was more things like, having people say things like that to my children, but having already accepted their diagnosis as something I should help work from. So they didn't sound like the same word to me. They just didn't, and they aren't. It's really about how they're used. And I still believe that you should remove and change and, and, and address stuff as we move forward. We wouldn't have gender equality and things like that. But I also think it's super, super, super important to stay aware of the multifaceted nature of, of, of this. Uh, different cultures. Have, I travel the world, and you know, sometimes words are like the C word is a favorite slang term in, in like England and Ireland. So that's another exposure I have is I'm always exposed to the constant difference and words are just words, all these different languages. When you speak many languages, they're just sounds that you use to either hurt or not hurt, to help or not help. It becomes something else. And you're right about intention. Some words are more hurtful. And when, when we know what, how, how they make others feel, we stop using those words. It is the intention. And part of that is like you, you understanding that in this conversation with us, that the R word bothered us, like it may a lot of people. And then you, you did, and it was, you and it's even admitted that it wasn't comfortable. But you know what? It's uncomfortable made, for you, but we appreciate it. Oh, I totally appreciate it. Like, and I know it it's an effort. I think that's part of it is that the effort is there for somebody. Like if I go to open a door for somebody, it shows an effort that I'm going to help somebody or, or if they have a bunch of packages or something, I think that that's appreciated. And if they say, you don't have to open my door because that makes them feel a certain way. Then, oh yeah. Well, then, I wouldn't open it then. Cause that happened yeah. to you. And you were like, sorry. Oh, yeah. I was in, I was in an elevator actually. And, and a lot of times a, growing up in the South, a gentleman would, you know, always let a woman out of the elevator first. Right. But I could totally see how that could be a bit creepy. But it's also scary. For, like, be I scary. never thought about that I'm before because I'm, now you have someone behind you. Now a man you. is behind you right. and you don't know, you can't see them. So once I understood that, I went, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, no problem. That doesn't, you oh, know. And because- it's also much bigger than that. I remember when I was in Lebanon one time, when I first got there and I didn't know the money or how the exchange work and they just really, really want to carry my bags, but I'm really afraid I don't know how to tip. And I'm like, no, 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 leave my bags alone. Let me do it. <laughs> but it, Every time I would have an experience like that, I'd realize, oh my God, there's so much more to all of this than my life taught me. And over and over and over again, we just don't know each person's story. We don't know their culture. We don't know. It's one of the reasons that the show that I make, Fix It in Five, its intention is to show at least five different cultures because it's so certain nuggets stay the same regardless of your culture, regardless of uh, your belief systems, your religion, your ethnicity, any of that stuff. And um, those are the things that I wanna show work every time, like the neurofeedback that I use for brain change, the addressing uh, the behavior in the moment and helping the person to respond in the moment, the way that you do that in a playful fashion so it doesn't feel like you're being put down, all kinds of things. So 
I was motivated to do this and I pay for it all. I don't make a cent, but it's, it's this give back feeling of nobody has had the chance to, like you said, every parent, you know, that one fight with your child or whatever. I had eight. So I had to go, oh my gosh, this school is fantastic for DAR and it sucks for everyone else. We have to leave. I have to take from DAR what he finally got in order to give to the others. And that kept happening over and over again. There were too many exceptional stories to fit it all. And maybe that was the blessing because I just kept going, okay, not this school. Okay, not this group, <laughs> right? And then finally I went, wait a minute, I can do this. And I homeschooled and I just went for the nuggets, the stuff that really mattered. And I got funding and yes, I had to work. I was a stand-up comedian and I was an actress and I had a TV show and I, you know, I, men didn't really want to pay my bills. So, um, and they were a lot, my kids were a lot to handle. So people ran from it. And that was a blessing too. It gave me clear sight to what actually worked. And that's the give back I wanna do. And I guess it's part of this thing about not getting lost in whether or not you're covering your ankles or your arms or you know if, if your whole face shows, if your hair can show, if you use this word or that word. It, in the end, what really helped my kids was, yes, neurofeedback, it was really a game changer. Um, really a game changer and my brain as well. But it was really just looking at them as who they are, knowing they could learn the next thing. And what's the next thing? In, in each of them, that was a different template. And everybody trying to put a template on them because of their diagnosis or what they believed they were or because of their race or what, right? Everybody who was doing that was harming them. So I don't think it's the word. I think it's the the stuff you believe because of it. And I can't. No, you're right. You're, it's thank you enough actually for the conversation. And maybe I will have to go through. It's been a long time. I've been putting stuff up. Maybe some of it's old enough that it's no longer relevant or useful. Yeah, because what you just said about you know, do I cover my ankles or my face or everything? And I think you know, unfortunately what you know we're talking about the r word here that that might dissuade people from really finding this information do you know and that's the unfortunate part because they probably wouldn't want to listen, learn from me anyway though no that's honest. not true i think it limits what you think you know people who are hurt by a word you know it, they're not hurt by the word they're hurt by everything it it is like you just said, everything it carries with it. And I think there are so many other options. And, and you know, honestly, I, I thought it was so cool because you had these things that worked and then um, you have that biofeedback. So it's actually, it's almost, it, it is a visualization of them seeing what's happening. And I think that's so empowering. I, I thought it was very interesting. So to say that people who are offended by the R word wouldn't be interested in what you do is kind of limiting and judging us people who don't like the R word because yeah no I don't think it, I don't think it's true to say that I don't think they'd be interested. Um, I do think they'd be interested. I think there's a lot of practitioners that use neurofeedback. 
I think there's a lot of um, people putting stuff up. There's a lot of, and so I think it's really important to. You're the first neurofeedback first person. I didn't even know about it. No, we didn't even know. Oh my gosh, when I found out about it. So my son, the one who's still minimally verbal, when I found out about it, it took so long for me to get over the fact that it was invented before I adopted him Hmm. because he was in his twenties and I got my first full hand on the back hug as a result, like these small things that I got, I could have got way back then. And we could have had this great trajectory of change over the years. Right. But there's no point in that. That doesn't help you be strong if you sit around and feel bad about those things. So you just let it go. Um, You let the past go. Right. You just, you won't, be in the present moment. Yeah. Um, Neurofeedback is brilliant. It's a way of teaching the brain how to operate differently. It's not intrusive. You're not putting wires into the brain or electricity. And there's all that available too. And I'm not dissing it. I think it's, they're all good therapies. I won't do them. I don't like intrusive things. So I love teaching. I love the concept of neurofeedback that I can teach to the brain wave, to the behavior of the brain itself before it turns into a behavior or an emotion in in the person. And that hooked me right from the get-go and changed everything for us. Because you will actually, with electrodes, you'll be able to show the patient or the person what's happening in their brain. Yeah, okay, so... (laughs) That was so fun for me because I got in so much trouble for saying electrodes because they are electrodes, by the way. Oh, is that wrong? But we're not know. allowed to say it anymore because it scares I w- you people. You know what? I won't say it. You tell me not no, to say it electrodes. Bother me. I'm say just the- saying how fun it is to, to stumble across a word to just the kind of bookend. The E word. Yeah. So we're supposed to call them sensors. It's not as scary. Yeah. I guess using electrodes, people would, would, it would call back to shock therapy. So so you see someone who's it totally bookends Lynette. That's like, we're taking something from the past. (laughs) We're changing the word (laughs) so that we can go forward in progress. But then we have to rewrite the dictionary because actually sensors inaccurate, but it's what they want us to use. So that's what we're using. So, um, Yeah, you're looking at the brainwave behavior. Now, the average person would need a lot of training to understand what they're looking at, right? So so that's not really very relevant for a lot of people. Now, I myself demystify everything. So in an example here, a lot of the times you'll go to a clinic and they'll say, you have to focus, you have to play this game, you're playing with your brain and all this. And if you don't focus and, and you don't know what the other person's doing. So you're giving up your power to the clinician who's pushing the buttons and has all the knowledge. I actually do this in homes and teach parents how to do it. And I show them the brain waves instead. And I, I use the game too with the kids, but I also show the kids the brain waves. And I say, so here you're making too many of these. And when you make so many of these, it's hard for you to talk because that, that sensor is here on the part of your brain that's hooked to the way you're gonna make your tongue move. So we're gonna get you to make less of these. Do you wanna play the game or do you wanna look here? What's interesting is I'd say 4% of people choose the game even though it's more fun, right? They want to actually see. Yeah. And they check their numbers and they watch to see, you know, is it improving? 
And I also don't make them focus on it. I just tell them about it and say, because that's a lie. It, it's not necessary. It's an auditory feedback system for the most part. You do have a visual component. It looks very empowering to be able to see, because I feel like a lot of times that's that's what gets us is that we feel like we have no power or, right. you know, that right. this is happening to us, but it's not. It's that no. we are participants. And I think that yeah. you, uh, it, it, you also talk about it's good for ADHD and depression and so many other things that are our brain. And people forget that we... We, res- we control how we respond to our brain and we have the power. It takes a lot, a lot of work, but th- I mean, that's what meditation is, is controlling right. your, th- your, your thoughts. So right. I, I can see how empowering that must feel, not only help, to, help guide somebody yeah, into that, because yeah. it's not like, oh, this just happens to me. Right. And, and I feel like it's not only empowering to whoever is your patient, but also to their caregiver. Well, you know, I have to say th- this conversation has been, very like enlightening it's been uh, very interesting too and you didn't go turn me off <laughs> no we don't turn people well, no, off I, on that, I, no matter how we, much you wanted us to turn you off I'm, i was so interested in what you do and also interested once we got into the conversation of what your thoughts were and then we came to a place and it became a conversation this should be able to teach people that there's different views and at the end of the day we still have our views or same we views, still don't like the R word. I can know more about you. I even saw you uh, react to us and say, you know, for you, I'll do this. I'll Maybe I'll look something. at my website and see. Yeah, right. Like something, uh, an up- update the website or whatever. And when early on we had said we respect, or Lori said we respect you as a human. And that is something we, we need to do. I don't think do. people have to earn being respected as a human. I think we, if we all just loved and respected each other, they can lose the respect. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's, that's actually how I go about it too. Yeah, yeah, I think that it was you as just a human and it looks like you do good things yeah. and you have a good intention. And that was the only reason I was willing to sit down because I know that and for the most part, when people do use that word, they're not interested in changing because that's just how, how it is. No, I know. Um, but see, but you know, it's, it's true. Like the word, the word has the power of the past, but the past is limits and we go forward and we move forward in whatever and make those changes. And once we know better, we do better and we can let go and progress as humanity, as caregivers, as advocates, whatever path we're on. And, and I'm so happy that we pushed through Me the too. challenge of this conversation. I think we said some really important stuff, actually. And I think it was really, really feisty and fun. I think you're probably feisty, Lynette. I'm a little feisty. I'm the brain broad. <laughs> I think the fact you used broad in 2020. I think that was a warning right at the beginning. <laughs> I'm just really happy that we continued the conversation. Yeah. Thank you for making time for us. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.